All right, well, let me tell you just a, a quick, quick story about my background. Um, married 40 years, um, my lovely wife, Lisa, and um, we have three children, three grown children, five grandchildren. Um, I am a worship pastor, um, and I have the privilege of serving at my church, both for worship and also for care. And um, I am a uh, self-employed dairy farmer, and um, we had a dairy farm. My, my family's been in the dairy business since 1947. Um, we recently made the business decision to sell our ranch in California about five years ago and bought a dairy farm in Idaho. And my son, my oldest son, uh, manages that. Good morning, welcome. Thanks for coming. I'll give you one. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so he manages our dairy in, in Idaho, and then we have some property in about four different states. Um, I have the privilege of serving as the chairman of the Merced County Rescue Mission, so that's been a part, of, a big part of my life. It's helping homeless people more recently, um, and um, I think it'd be good to start with the verse of scripture that we find find in Matthew. Chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send the workers into the harvest field. Let's begin with prayer. Jesus, today we pray that the word of God would come alive in our own hearts. Lord, we pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive uh, maybe some new tools today in, um, in knowing what it means to reach across the aisle and, and connect with people who are lost. Lord, um, may your spirit just speak to our hearts today. I pray that these would not be my words, but yours. In your powerful name, amen. 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 So by title, Overcoming Struggles and Sharing Your Faith. And so... Um, I find, it's been in my own personal experience, that, that many struggle um, to convey the hope that they have within themselves. It's a struggle. It's, it's like, a well, I, I know Jesus, I've walked with Jesus, and I want my friends to know about Jesus, but I don't know how to get there from here. And so today, what we want to do is, is try to unpack some of that and share, share some experiences together. Um, I, you know, just to let you know a little bit about myself, I, I was born in a beautiful family and um, was taught, was shown who Jesus was. wasn't just told, but I was shown who Jesus was. And so I am without excuse today. And I praise God for that. I can say it boldly. I want to tell you a little bit about my story that brought me to this point in my journey. In 1987, you know, at that time, I'd already become a church elder. I'd been serving in the church. Busy. I was busy in the church. Lots of things to do. But God had a different plan for me. 
And um, he gave me a dream. And in this dream, um, you know, I'm a farmer, and so God, I, I believe God uses our experiences, you know, um, for good. And so in my dream, I saw a wheat field. And there was, the, the field had been harvested. There was no wheat left in the field except the stubble. And standing out in the field uh, were about 400 people. And they had two things in common. I, I knew each one of them by face. They were recognizable. And the second thing about them that was true was that every single person was eternally lost. I woke up from that dream. I was in a pool of sweat. And that dream was a little bit like a nightmare. And um, I was just so torn, so torn up by that dream. And for me, that was kind of my Damascus Road experience. I didn't know what to do with it. God began to put a burden on my heart that I could not contain. And the very next morning, good morning, welcome. Good morning. The very next morning. Would you explain uh, to the gentleman what, what you're talking about? So I'm talking about my dream. The, the, thing, the thing that started this whole thing rolling for me is this dream. And I had a dream of 400 people standing in this harvested wheat field and I could rec recognize each one of them by face. I knew each one of them well. And the second thing that was true they, was that they were eternally lost. And so um, that next Sunday morning was church. And the preacher was preaching. And about 10 minutes into the sermon, I couldn't, couldn't hold it anymore. I couldn't wait for an for a altar call. I had my own. I ran down the aisle. And I began to pour out my heart to God. And I said, Lord, this is a burden that I cannot carry. This is too heavy. And... Um, I'm sure the preacher's like, what in the world? And my wife's sitting there going, is he going to divorce me? What's, what's happening? What is happening? It was a wild experience. And I just began to openly weep and pour out my heart to God. He gave me a burden that I couldn't contain. And um, that kind of got the ball rolling. The very next morning, I'm up driving the tractor. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. The sun's peeking over the mountains. And on the radio, um, this advertisement comes on about, basically asks the question, have you ever had a burden for the lost? Have you ever wanted to share your faith? Do you want to be trained in how to share your faith? One week from today, there's a training that happens an hour from you, and it's going to be for an entire week in learning how to share your faith. And at that moment, the sun's just creeping, just a sunrise, just starting. And I say, okay, God, whatever you do, don't strike me dead. I've, I've got all the message I need. I've heard from you directly. Morning, Joel. God bless you. Um, I, don't need, I don't need any lightning. No lightning, please. I'm, I've heard from you. Went down to Fresno, studied for an entire week, and got trained up in learning how to share my faith and I can give you some examples of kind of, kind of what happened there. But I've, I've got two questions for you today. Is there something holding you back from sharing your faith? What are you afraid of? And those are honest questions, and I'm not expecting an answer. 
I don't want to put you on the spot, but is there, you know, is there something that's keeping you from, from sharing your faith today? Some examples of, of reasons why or, or, or roadblocks found on the next page. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a fear of rejection. Maybe you lack the training or the preparation that's needed to do so. Maybe there's apathy or slothfulness. And maybe, maybe somehow over the years, of maybe even following after Christ, that your heart has become hardened. Maybe you just say, well, it's not my calling. I have an idea that you're in this room today to learn more about getting over the struggle of sharing your faith. Or maybe, maybe you're good at it and you just want to get better. And that's awesome too. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be what? Prepared. Yeah. To give an answer for to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And then do this with gentleness and respect. I remember the week I was trained, um, the waitress came to take our drink order and she said, sir, would you like something to drink? I said, no. But have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you're to die today, you go to heaven? And my trainer was sitting right next to me, and he kicked me in the and, and he basically, after she left, he, he, he said to her, he'll have some iced tea. Thank you, ma'am. And, and, and she left, and, and he grabbed me by the throat, and he said, don't you ever, I don't ever want to see you ever do that again. So that's part of my training. A little overly zealous, just a little bit. Skosh. Gentleness. Respect. Right? Timing. There's the right time in the right place. I don't think we want to skip what First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is telling us. Always be prepared. Don't, don't cheat on that. Learn the Word of God. Hide it in your heart. For one thing, it helps us to what? To not sin against our God. That's thing number one. Thing number two is it helps us to be prepared to uh, to give away this beautiful Jesus that we know. It is about giving away Jesus. And, um, and we don't want to skip that point. Preparation is everything. Matthew 28, probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, especially for people that are in ministry. What does it say? Can you help me out with it? It says, go into all the world and what? Teach. Make disciples. Baptize them. And then what else? Teach them everything that I've commanded. And what else did he promise us? I will not leave you alone. I'm going to go with you. You're not going to have to do it alone. Isn't that a beautiful promise? So the four lines are go make disciples, baptize them, teach them. The Great Commission, and then Acts 1.8 says what? You will be my witnesses. It doesn't sound like an option, does it? It's kind of direct, (laughs) 
right? Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Bill Bright said it this way, successful witnessing is taking the initiative to share Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to who? To God. Sometimes that's the hardest thing for us, huh? We want to convert, right? But what did, what did the scriptures remind us? That we planted, Apollos watered, who gave the increase? God. It's God. God and God alone. I want to ask you a question. What is the condition of your heart today? It's an honest question. Do you need a new heart? Do you need a transformed heart? Do you need a heart transplant? Can you actually say, can you truthfully say today, Father, break my heart for what breaks yours? Acts 20.24, and this is, you know, the writer of Acts is um, thought to be Luke, and, and this next statement is really the life text of Dr. Charles Stanley. Acts 20.24, 20, However, I consider my life to be worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Isn't that beautiful? It's in the Bible. It's in Acts 20.24. 20, how about that for a life text? Paul said, the Apostle Paul said it this in his, you know, his letter to the church in Corinth. He said, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. What does that say? You know, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I do it by all possible means. What does that mean? Whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes. If, if I could ask you to stand on your head for 25 minutes and it meant that your best friend who's lost would meet Jesus, hmm. would you do it? I bet you would. I bet you would. What do, and so, so trying to discover what does all possible means mean, right? Romans 10, 14, everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. How then... Can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
Do you feel sent today? Do you feel sent? So how are we going to deliver the good news? Well, um, if you'll, you'll start to notice a pattern, every single page at the very top, mm -hmm. there are four words. What are they? Tell me your story. Tell me your story. Mark, can it be that simple? Really? <laughs> well, I'm here to declare something today. It can be. It can be. To, to meet someone right where they're at, and I don't know you, right? We're strangers. We're strangers. Yes. But to get, what's, what's your name? Debbie. Debbie, hi Debbie, I'm Mark. There's something about getting down to someone else's level. And maybe even, maybe even below their level. And saying, tell me your story. Well, what do you mean? Right? That might be a natural story. What do you mean by that? Um, tell me about your life. I want to know about your upbringing. I want to know about your, your family life and your, you know, just life experiences. And Debbie could probably, she'd be okay with probably telling me that. And then, and then we'd move to uh, the next step, which is what? Well, tell me about your spiritual journey. Now that's a completely different thing, right? Mm -hmm. Tell me about your spiritual journey. And once, once that happens, I mean, you get, you'll get 500 different responses to that. Because for one, uh, spiritual journey means something completely different to all kinds of different people. So to tell me your story and to tell me about your spiritual journey simply means um, I want to find out about their life experiences, their family, their work, their school, their upbringing, their passions, their desires, their victories, their struggles. Many times you, you say those four words, tell me your story, and for the next hour and a half, you're going to hear from them. And you know the old adage, you know, they don't really care how much you know until what? They don't know what you care. And the one way that they're going to know that you care is that if you ask them about them. You don't need to spend two hours telling them about yourself. That's, that's, not, that's not where it's at. Now, in the middle of their story, it's awesome to maybe weave a couple of things about your story. But it's mostly about getting to hear their story and their spiritual journey, their life experiences. I, uh, I was kind of really intrigued by last year's um, harbor experience. Dave and I were sitting in the audience. And I was sitting right next to a lady, and um, I said, and we're just going to call her Jane today. I said, Jane, um, tell me your story. She had all kinds of wild colored hair and tattoos everywhere. I said, tell me your story. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, just tell me about life's journey, you know. what?" And so what she began to tell me was, Almost like the first words out of her mouth was, I, I really don't belong here. And I said, what? She said, well, I'm pretty broken. I'm pretty busted up. My life's a mess. I'm not even worthy to be here. 
in, in, a, in a minute's time, she told me a lifetime about where she was at right now in this very auditorium a year ago. And you know, her countenance was just really, really downcast. She was beat up. And I said, well, Jane, I'm broken too. I'm not worthy to be here either. And so let's just knit that together and just admit that we need Jesus. We're here to get some of Jesus. And Dave can testify. Her complete countenance begins to change. Lord, the Lord allowed me to pray for her, pray over her, to um, identify with her, and to let her know that she's not all that strange after all. That we're all broken. That we all need Jesus. And people need to know that about us too. We need to make ourselves that vulnerable and that transparent. We need Jesus. Who is God bringing into your life right now? Who's got who's who, who's God lining up for you? What are the soil conditions like in them? What changes need to be made in the soil preparation to allow for a greater harvest? Do you need to improve? Maybe do, do you need to work on your listening skills? How are you doing with listening? Are you hearing from God? Are you listening to God? Is He leading you to what you need to be talking about with them? Do you know your audience? Are you able to properly diagnose their spiritual condition? Find out where they're at. Tell you a quick experience that I've had with the event staff right here on campus. I don't know about you, but I've struggled to find a certain room or a certain building. Hey, help me out with you know, help me out with CBC uh, 148. Where's that? You know, and they they say, well, you see, here's your map, and here's it. Get, how do you get to the surfboard room? What the heck? And then my third question was, hey, I need directions on how to get to heaven. <laughs> and they're like, I'm sorry? <laughs> Can you give me directions on how to get to heaven from here? Beg your pardon? <laughs> Stopped them in their tracks. I said, okay, let me ask you another question. Can you help me in knowing how to get to Burbank? What do you think their, these are young people, of course. What do you think their response was? Well, my GPS. <laughs> they got to go to GPS. They couldn't tell me, well, you got to get on Highway 4, you know, got to get on 405 and you go to blah, blah, blah. Couldn't tell me that. Um, and so I said, well, okay, so let's get back to the, how do you get to heaven question? What do you think their response was? These are students at Pepperdine University, right? And I'm not, please understand, I am not throwing Pepperdine University on the bus. These are just college students who maybe have been raised around a Christian home all their life. Couldn't even begin to tell me how to get to heaven. No directions, no instructions. Good luck. And it's pretty telling about, you know, where we're at, spiritually speaking. And I, again, I'm not throwing 
not throwing Pepperdine students under the bus, so please don't take, don't get that as the take home message. It's just a testimony of, of our world today. Um, question for you. Have you ever been, ever received any kind of training? There's all kinds of different types of training, and today I'm not here to promote a certain kind of training. I think there's a lot of ways you can share with people, you know, what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved. Saved from what? You know, there's the Roman road, right? There's the four spiritual laws. There's the bridge illustration. Campus Crusade for Christ has their own illustration. Um, I picked up, I was sitting just doing my morning devotionals this morning, and right underneath my feet, and I didn't even know it, was this. The Gospel of John. From Pepperdine University, I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful little living, you know, new living translation of the Gospel of John, and it's just so beautiful. And, and I just began to read it, you know, just, just out of curiosity, what would it say? Well, what does it say? And you, you could, probably half of you in there could recite it for me, but in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. I could read this for you, but it's a beautiful, thank you. It's a beautiful, um, just a little, a little booklet, a little track, if you will. But this isn't a track. This is actually the Book of John, and it was right underneath my feet. Another methodology. I think that you know, and I and state: Are you hearing from God? Do you know your audience? Are you able to properly diagnose? Diagnosis, when it comes to being able to know where to meet people where they're at, diagnosis is everything. It's not just something, it's everything. If you're in the hospital and you're being prepped for five-way bypass and they take out your knee and replace it, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Might be good, might not be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Might not be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Diagnosing the condition and knowing Knowing where to go to is so important, and that's why we spend so much time in preparation, right? And getting ready. And, 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 and the two questions that I'm about to ask, I think are two of the most important questions in knowing how to diagnose. Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you're to die today, you'd go to heaven? And then the second question is, suppose you were to die and you were standing before God and you were saying to you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And you get a hundred different responses to that, right? You get a hundred different responses to that. By the way, we're on page, bottom of page four. Um, for those that, um, thank you, Adam. All kinds of responses, but here's some typical ones. I'm not going to heaven. The answer is no. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Why? I've been a good person. Well, how can anybody truly know that they're, how can anybody know for certain that they're going to heaven? The scriptures actually give us that assurance. First yeah. John chapter 5, verse 13. For I have written these things that you might know for certain, for certain, that you have everlasting life. He who has the Son of God Jesus Christ has eternal life. 
He who does not, she who does not, does not. Cut and dry. That is the assurance, that is the certainty that we can have. And we respond to their response. Okay? We respond to what they've said. And so the gospel can kind of be, kind of be explained like this. You know, I used to think that there's no way that I could know for certain that I would go to heaven or not. But the Bible is clear. It talks about grace. That heaven is a free gift. That that it's not earned or deserved in Romans 6.23. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 remind us that it is by grace that we've been saved through faith. Not of works, not of anything that we do on our own. It is the gift of God. Not from works so that no one can boast. It remind, the Bible reminds us that man is a sinner for all of sin. For all of sin. I have, you have, fall short of the glory of God. We have failed to keep His commandments because of our thoughts, our words, our deeds. If we have broken one of the laws, the Bible says it reminds us that we have broken all of them. It reminds us that we cannot save ourselves. If, if, if we had to be good enough, Jesus says that we have to be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5, 48. It makes it impossible to save ourselves. God is the God of mercy. The Bible teaches that. It also says that He is God of love and um, that He loves us with an everlasting life, uh, everlasting love. But in Exodus, we find this, that He will by no means clear the guilty. We are guilty because of our sin. Hebrews reminds us that there is a appointed to man once to die and then the day of final judgment. So we have a problem. God loves us, but He must punish the sin. How does He solve this problem of, of justice and also love? He solves it through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the infinite God-man. We just read about it in the Gospel of John. Fully God, fully man. The Word became flesh, right? What, he did, what did He do for us? Well, He died on a cross and He rose from the dead. And he, that's what paid the penalty for our sins and to purchase a place for us in heaven. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Um, he, he became the sacrifice. He did the heavy lifting. You know, this gift that He wants to give us, this gift of salvation, how is it received? It's received by faith. And what is faith? Faith is simply trusting in Jesus Christ alone. No one else. Nothing else. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. You know, and, and to even memorize just that alone is very important. Acts 16.31 Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It is not through the good works that we do. It's because of what Jesus Christ has already done. I know you've heard that. He paid the penalties for our sins. And He said it Himself, you know, it is finished. The debt has been paid. Jesus is knocking on the heart's door. It said in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone... Here's my voice and opens the door. I will come in and have fellowship with them and they with me. He promises to have fellowship. He promises to have this relationship. 
and I ask you, you know, I ask them, does it make sense to you? Is there any part of it that you don't understand or any part that's confusing? Now, again, I want to emphasize this. This is just one way. This is one way to bring Jesus to our friends. It's not the only way. And maybe there's a certain kind of training that you have that um, helps you do this even better. Um, and in the box, I this is what I believe about the most important part of sharing the gospel. The bridge, if you will. I believe the single most important part of sharing the gospel is meeting people where they're at. In their journey. Finding out who they are. Where their heart is. The experiences that they have had. Where life has taken them. And that is the bridge. A great example, woman at the well, John 4. And I'm sure you're familiar with the passage, but there's some interesting you know, things that we glean from that passage. He knew everything about her, including her sin. Being of such low standing, Jesus shows us there in that example that he has a heart for all people, not just some. Jesus reminds us that only He can offer the salvation of living water, eternal life. He shows us the importance of offering our testimony. She, once she received this living water, what did she do? She ran to go tell her friends. And it also underscores how Jesus is the Messiah. And the story of the woman of well, it's just a great example of, of God's love, His truth, His redemption. His acceptance of us where we're at. I often refer to people who say, well, i got to do this, 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 and this um, before I know I'm saved. We take the example of the thief on the cross. You know the story. The one on the right said, if you're truly the Son of God, you have the power to get us down from here. And the one on the left said what? We're guilty. This is where we should be. We deserve this. What was the second thing he said? Remember me. Lord, would you remember me? And what was Jesus' response? Today. You're going to be with me. I'm taking you with me. Are there there any more precious words than that? Is there anything more beautiful that we could ever hear? You're going to be with me. That's good stuff. And he didn't have time to make it right, folks. He did not have time. Jesus said, doesn't matter. I think, you know, this idea of admitting, we, we so discount confession. We so discount acknowledging the sin. We wouldn't need grace if there were no sin. If there wasn't the law, grace wouldn't have that same value to us, would it? We've broken the law. That example of the thief on the cross, I use that almost every time. When people say, well, I'm not worthy. I don't have my stuff together. My life isn't together. Jesus? Jesus? God can't do this. He can't work this miracle today because I'm... I'm just filthy rags. 
I'm ashes, I'm dirt. Okay. God uses dirt, doesn't he? We've heard about that. God uses dirt. It's so important, too, that we not manipulate, we not persuade, that the people that are making the decision are ready. It's about free will and choice. It's about our great hope, Jesus Christ. It's about bringing Jesus to them. I said it earlier, but 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, you know, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Did you, did you notice that we're part, of, we're part of the formula? We're part of this process? We are part of it. The, the parable of the sower, um, my, my oldest son, I think I mentioned to you, my oldest son in the beginning, he runs our dairy in Fruitland, Idaho. He manages a 2,000 cow dairy for our family. I don't even live there. Our middle son is the largest corn grower in California. He farms about 20,000 acres. He farms almost 8,000 acres of corn. And um, I, I, I want to share with you this because I, Jesus uses the parable of the farmer and the seed, you know, and he talks about the farmer a lot. And he uses these parables to explain the gospel. And, you know, we're reminded that there was a farmer that went out in the field and scattered seed, and some did what? It fell on the path, and what happened to those seeds? The birds ate it up. And then the, another kind of seed fell on a rocky place, right? It had such shallow soil, there was no root. The plant sprouted, but it died. The third seed fell among thorns and started out well, but eventually the weeds grew up and, and choked it out. And then there was a seed that fell on good soil, prepared soil, soil that was ready to give life, soil that was ready to... And so one of the things that my son would explain to you is that in order to for a, a corn plant to fully um, reach its potential, it's got to have all the amenities. If it's missing just one trace mineral, it can die. If a corn plant doesn't have zinc, the right kind of zinc, it will get to be about six or eight inches tall. It will turn purple. It will curl up and it will die. And so, and so raising a corn plant to its full potential, you know, it, it talks about good soil being 30, 60, 100 fold. Well, a corn plant produces about 1,200 kernels. So that one seed produces 1,200 fold. If, if, and only if, the soil conditions are right. If and only if it gets enough water, right? Enough photosynthesis, enough sunlight. Um, it's amazing um, also that, you know, Jesus used the example of the, of the farmer and, and one of the terms um, in planting seed is this term called broadcast. We broadcast seed. Hence, we speak. We speak the gospel. There are those that talk about the God. Well, you just got to live it. You just got to live the gospel. True. You need to live out the gospel. 
we, you know, you will be my witnesses, right? And so our testimony is all we really have. If we don't have a life that backs up our words, we got nothing. Amen? We need Jesus to help us with that too. But our words matter. Broadcasting matters. Um, I, I wanted to leave a, just a few minutes, a little bit of time for questions and answers. Our last page talks about the three things that I think we have to do in preparing to share our faith. First of all, you know, that prayer that says, you know, Holy Spirit, go before me. Prepare the soil. It's so important to listen. When you've asked them, tell me your story, then listen to their story. Hear about the details. Try to, try to store it in your mind. And then love. Let all that we do come in love. Without love, we're what? We're nothing without love. So it's, it's got to be wrapped in love. All of it. All of it. If we're coming at them with just bullets, our greatest weapon, our greatest weapon is love. Paul's prayer um, to the church in Ephesus said, pray also for me. Whenever I speak words that I may, it may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I know I should. That was Paul's prayer. That was Paul's prayer. I, uh, I want to leave you with this story. And um, it's a story that I, I do a lot of counseling. I try to meet people where they're at. And I always give them kind of a visual picture. And after they've told me their story, I always like to share with them, you know, it, it, if I could paint you a picture, here's what I see. This is the description of you. You've got in your little boat and you've paddled out to your little island and you're isolated. Will you allow me to get in my little boat and paddle out to you and go get you? and bring you back to shore where there's Jesus, where there's life, where there's safety and healing and hope. That's my paddle boat story. And I think it's a, it's a picture that almost every human being identifies with. So, for you see, we were all lost. <clears throat> There was, there was a point in our journey when we were deserted where we didn't have much hope. Jesus offers that hope today. And so um, I'd just like for you guys to respond. Questions? I want to tell a quick story. Um, so I've known Mark about 70 years now and uh, I have used this method and uh, not once has I, have I had anyone ever rejected. And I've kind of, they responded, but what's interesting is I decided to do it with my 
grandson. Now, I raised my grandson. I was there when he was born in the hospital, and I raised him because he didn't have a daddy. So I was his daddy. And I don't know if, I think, I know this kid better than anybody, right? And I asked him that question one day. I said, tell me your story. And I kind of put him off because I'm his papa. <laughs> he broke down, started crying, and told me stuff I had no idea about his life. It was, it was amazing. And uh, we recently got back from Israel, and I took him with me. It was a transforming thing, but that one thing about telling me your story, I have to tell you guys, it is a powerful, powerful thing to do. Powerful thing. Even with someone you know. Pretty amazing. Uh, Questions? Thoughts? What's going through your mind? I think for me, I struggle with the priorities of, like, where in the gospel am I, you know, Am I teaching? Am I preaching? Am I talking about Jesus? Am I talking about sin? Am I? But I think the tell me your story idea gives you the clue of where to start. It does. It's a starting point. Yeah. It, it's a way of beginning to, to lay the pylons to build a bridge. <clears throat> and, and we all, we're in the business of building bridges. Because it's relational, right? Bringing Jesus to them is relational. Um, it's so interesting. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, who's the greatest? We want to know who's the greatest. Tell us now. And, and Jesus gave a very disappointing answer. Remember what he said? <coughs> yeah. Got to be your servant. And unless you come to me as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. What? That's upside down. What if the disciples would have asked Jesus, um, Lord, what's the greatest gift that we can give? What's the greatest gift that we can give? It's, it's the gift of Jesus. But their thinking was, who's the greatest? That's, that's the question that they had. Um, I fully understand what you're saying. Tell me your story. And when they tell you the story, what's the, what's the next step? I want to make sure you guys get this part. They told you about their life. Now what's the second question? Well, tell me about your spiritual journey. Yeah. Okay. And then, and, and you know, that might be over a six-month period. You know? And so building those relationships, is, it's an extremely important part of, of what we're trying to do. All right, I've got to wrap it up. Listen. I'll make myself available through the entire the rest of the conference, and if you have any questions beyond this, um, feel free to come and ask. Um, I want to be an encourager to you in sharing your faith. Um, let's close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this day. Lord, we just humbly ask that you use this. We know the harvest is up to you, but you've, you're wanting to include us in the process, and so Lord, speak to our hearts today. Help us to listen. And um, God, all that we have, all that we are, it's all yours. Use it, Lord, for your kingdom, for your, for your honor, for your glory. And all these beautiful things that we ask for, Lord, are in your name. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for coming today. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your conference.